Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be looking at five ways for soil health on a budget. <clears throat> a special spotlight for you today. We've got a top 10 ways to justify planting when it's too cold. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about Earth Day and some current events with Cool Beans That's Corny. So today joining me are Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. Bill Schomburg. Hey, Matt. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So it's draft day, boys. First sports you we've had in a month. The, in the last sports in a while, too. So it's you got to suck up these three days of draft. You're going to learn everything about every player so you can research them for the next three months, right? Yeah, we're Especially about 15 the- picks away from the Packers pick, so hopefully they can... Get somebody tonight on Thursday night that uh, that can do a lot of good for the team. So who do you think it is, Bill? Well, the rumor is they want to move up to uh, 19 or 20 right ahead of the Eagles or the or the Vikings. Ooh, right ahead because, of the Vikings. That'd be yes, cool. Yes, because they have the same needs as we do at receiver and others. So that's the rumor. So we'll see if Goody pulls some magic and gives up uh, some picks to get up there. So I'm hoping for Justin Jefferson, the receiver out of uh, LSU. He's a pretty, pretty big, pretty big guy there. But did you do we'll any see. mock drafts, Bill? No, no, no. Those are so I, dumb. Anyway, I was laughing with people that try to figure out where we're gonna go, and you know, you get one trade, and all that changes anyway. So yeah, so far no trades. I I like to write players down, like when you listen to these people talk and interviews and stuff. I like to write names down and be like, oh, maybe the Packers will take that guy and that kind of thing. So usually they don't take them. Um, kind of secretly hoping that uh, with Aaron Jones and um, uh, Williams, they're both free agents next year, hoping that maybe we can find a spot for JT, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah, but, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, there you go. But I don't think that's going to fall. Bring Badgers, that'd be cool. Yep. We we haven't had very good luck with the badgers we've brought in. So. No, no, true. Not since the Tausch. Yep, not since Tauscher, yeah. I always kind of forget get, about him. Maybe they'll get Cephas in like the third or fourth. That would be okay, too. Yeah, that would work. So you guys have your long johns on all week? I sure did. You were in your Packer hoodies? Yeah, you, you pretty much have to. It's cold out there. Yeah, I took it a, is unreal how cold it is. It is like the wind. I swear too, it's been more windy lately too. So it just bites, and then it's damp, kind of in the air some days. So it's 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 cold. I'm sure yeah, we'll we, talk yeah. about it talk about it later. But I did take a soil temperature on uh, Tuesday uh, in Oconnell County. So it wasn't in Outagamie, uh, where our home base is, but O'Connell County, it was 38 degrees at uh, two inches down. So little, little far to go yet. Well, on Monday, I got an email from, I don't remember what rep it was, but they had the statewide soil temps and it was a morning soil temps. It was like 7 a.m. But that was Mike Weiss sent it out. Shout out to Mike. There you Good go. Good job, Mike. It was uh, like 37 all even in the southern part of the state where it's usually a little bit warmer. So it was, yeah, it, soil temps have not been very high at all. Another thing I've been watching is growing degree units for alfalfa. 
which is we, for a corn, it doesn't work because we haven't really had any, but alfalfa is a base of 40 degrees to get some growing degree units. And we're about 40 behind normal. And usually this time of year, we're getting about a 10 of those a day. So it's a high of like a 60 and a low 40. Um, so that's been tough too, is just the alfalfa seems so slow, but it's got no heat or nothing to kind of push it along. Yeah. What's there anyway, no, I've noticed, right? I've noticed that in the alfalfa. You walk in these fields and they're just not changing well very much from week to week. I did it see is given today. a unique opportunity that we've never had to intercede grass or something if you can try to decide if if it is dead or not but that's been hard to know i mean i guess you can kind of know if it's dead but it's hard when it's just slow yeah i talked to our grower today and um we had a field we interceded last year and he said we did it like i don't may 30th or something so and he was kind of disappointed in it and i said well look at the bright side and he was planting today he says we're a whole month ahead of you know putting that grass in that alfalfa so hopefully we'll have a better success this year so i think that's going to be a big plus for them is a whole month ahead of last year doing anything yeah yeah no there's a window here to get stuff in so all right let's get into her five ways for soil health on a budget so todd this was uh your brainchild yeah, today so what do you got for with us? trying to think of how to be on a budget and kind of, you know, pinching every penny right now and who wants to talk soil health when we are at really low grain prices and just things are tough. So we just wanted to kind of throw out five ways that um, that costs about $15 an acre or less. And then some of them will even save you, you know, upwards of that $15, $20 an acre um, and ways to kind of try to achieve more soil health without uh, pushing, you know, spending a lot of money. So number one on the list, um, and these are in no particular order. They're just kind of um, different ways that we have. Um, but number one is no-till. So pretty simple one is basically um, can save you money by tilling less. Um, or even that's another way to say is maybe not go no-till, but just do less tillage and do less recreational tillage. And the savings there is going to be about $15 per acre or whatever you want to use for your custom rate for tillage. So, I mean, that's 15 to $20 an acre that you can save, you know, sometimes if you're doing, if you're doing less tillage. Yeah, that's a pretty easy way to, to save some money. And I mean, obviously fuel prices are low right now. So, but normally when you're looking at filling up that diesel tank, that's just the fuel savings alone can add up pretty quick. So the other thing that it's going to save is uh, man hours too, right? Whether that's, uh, you know, farmers don't take any any account for their time. We all realize that, that. But they could be doing something else or fixing something or, you know, whatever. But also if you have a hired person that you're paying to be out doing that tillage, you know, you're going to save the fuel and the cost of that. But also the man that's sitting or the lady uh, that's sitting in the tractor, Um you're going to save wages there too. So another way to save a little cash in these hard times. That's right. Yeah. So number two, what do we got next, um, Todd? N number two is spinning on the seed instead of drilling. So this has to do with cover crops. The next couple actually all have to do with cover crops. Um, 
so we kind of went from no-till into how do we um, how do we achieve you know putting in that cover crop at a reasonable price and the this one is um, a lot of times it is nice to drill the cover crop seed in um, but it's more expensive so we don't you know, our goal with using the drill is to get a really good even crop. And that's really important when we're planting, you know, a true crop like soybeans or wheat or alfalfa or something like that. But in a cover crop, um, the goal actually isn't always to kind of be as thick and as even. I mean, we, we want that to happen, but it's not as important if it doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, spinning on your seed isn't as good but it still works. And this could save you, um, you know, drilling costs are that 16 to $20 an acre to drill. And we can, you know, save you around $10 an acre by spinning it on instead of drilling. Yep. And I think that's, um, you know, timing is obviously big with that. So making sure when you're spinning it on that there is some moisture there and other things to give your, yourself a better chance of having that work. But yeah, we've seen spun on cover crops or flown on cover crops um, that aren't, you know, getting that necessarily that seed to soil contact as well as you would with a drill still can establish pretty well. So you read my mind there, Matt. I was just going to say that the good news is the last two years of what it's been, um, you know, the spinning on has had a better chance of success. Although last fall we did some that aerial stuff, which I guess I would say that's similar to spinning and that actually rotted. So unfortunately we could go the other way too, but at the same point, um, this is a good one. Uh, if, if you're just looking for cover, obviously if we want to plant a winter wheat for grain or something like that, obviously that's going to have good cover, but that that's better be drilled in versus, uh, you know, spinning it. I think spinning actually contradicts. So this somewhat contradicts the one before it of the no-till is one time when you're, sometimes when you're spinning it on, it is good to do a pass of um, like a lot of times I'll guys spin on cover crop seed and then work in manure behind it. So obviously there's some tillage there, which goes back to the no-till one. Or if you, if you do a lot of vertical till um, or very light tillage, um, you could spin it on and then do some light tillage to sort of work it in. And then this will also contradict one of the ones that comes up later, and that is um, using less seed or different mixes to kind of cheapen up the cover crop seed. And a lot of time when we're spinning it on, we need to use a little bit more seed versus when we drill it just because we got to compensate for that not being quite as quite as dense of a of a population and having a little bit more loss when we're when we're spinning it on. Yeah, I think that's, you know, fair, but you have options. You don't have to initially work it in. And um, obviously, seed to soil contact, you would be better if you did have something like that, but um, you don't necessarily have to either. So, the good news, Todd, with this list is each farmer can grab one or two things and use it that fits their farm. This isn't like each farmer has to use each five, you know, because you, like you said, they kind of contradict, but if you have you know, listeners out there, they can pick and choose which one they like the best and try that. You know, if you have someone who's, who's doing a lot of tillage, well, they can back off on tillage or maybe someone that's doing, uh, you know, drilling, maybe they want to try the spinner spreader, those kinds of things. So just, you can kind of pick and choose what works best for your, for your farm, save a little money. Yeah. No, I think that works. What's our third Number three, number three is 
um, pick the cheapest cover crop seed mixes or cover crop seeds. So, uh, Matt, do you want to talk about this one to start? Sure. I think uh, bin run anything is always a good option. It's cheap and, um, you know, even you're definitely going to want to err on the side of more seed, but um, being cheap, it's still probably going to save you money to, to go that way. Um, so if you can, if you've got your own seed or a neighbor that's got some stuff in the bin, throw it out there, give you some options. Uh, winter wheat can be a real, you know, obviously the prices change from year to year, but in the, the past few years, that's been a, a little bit cheaper option than say like rye as these different cover crop mixes become more popular. They seem to become more expensive. So, you know, finding just a, you know, something you can get for a reasonable price. And I would say for the most part, try to avoid crops that are used in deer plot mixes because that too has become a more popular thing. And therefore it's driving that price up on those, those mixes. Is there, is there any, any talk guys about like this bin run stuff that maybe we should do a germ test at all um, just to make sure that it, it is, or do we don't not care? You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think you definitely, you can do a home germ test and, um, or send it in if you want, you know, take a wet paper towel, throw some seed in there and see how much of it germinates and just kind of, to kind of get an idea. But yeah, that it would be a good idea to do at least some looking into that. Yeah, but in a way, too, we can, it's not our true crop. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. We want to make sure it's not some really old bin run stuff that's four years old and you're scraping out the bottom. But in a way, at least we do got that, that if it's not perfect, we'll still be all right. So I do, I do like how Matt says it too, just bin run anything is for this one's going to be depending on the farm and what you got and, and what you grow on the farm. And like you said, winter wheat's probably a little bit more common than some other ones, but oats or um, if you grow some barley for yourself, that, that would really be make a lot cheaper, obviously, is is if you can kind of find something bin run. And then I like the way you said it too, Matt, of probably finding something not as popular. So would all the, far, you know, like when Tillage Radish, you know, was in every magazine about how that was the next best cover crop mix it's like that's probably one you want to actually avoid at that time because it's probably more expensive or coming at a premium so that's kind of a unique situation too where maybe sometimes you know we read too much into trying to pick the best mix or the best cover crop and you know just take some time and pencil out on which one's the cheapest could be the best for your farm yeah that makes sense all right number four All right, number four and number five both kind of use sort of current practices or current crops, Um, but number four is use alfalfa as a cover crop. So this is kind of a, it's not truly, you're not going to use it as a cover crop, but instead of terminating terminating your alfalfa in the fall, um, terminate it in the spring. So just sometimes even like years where you don't, there's years where you know like this alfalfa is bad and it's going to come out. But it isn't a bad idea just to leave them over till spring more. And I think the reason I'm starting like this one more is we've got a lot better herbicide options. So I put for cost for this one's free, um, but I guess it's not technically free. It'd be sort of the cost difference between in the fall, we usually use 2,4-D to kill alfalfa and Roundup. And it's pretty cheap. 
But in the spring or after we plant corn, um, we can use status or dicamba with a safener and kill alfalfa pretty easy now. So we got a lot more tools that way since status came along to help us out. So, Bill, what do you think of, of doing that? Do you think you're getting much benefits by leaving the alfalfa versus not? Or or what, or what? do you think it's just, no, I'd rather clean it up in the fall? Um. I guess I got two thoughts there. And the first one is, you know, logic would say that the the plants in the fall are growing better. So we should have a better kill than we do in the spring. So that could be, you know, that's why I think some people take it out. Um, I do have some growers that feel that killing alfalfa in the fall and then and then planting a cover crop into the alfalfa actually mellows the soil out better. And that's in more heavier ground. That's kind of totally going against what we're talking about here, but just kind of some things that are happening with alfalfa. Uh, but I like your idea, Todd, because it is free. We, the cost we've amortized over hopefully at least four years, we just let it be. And, and why are we killing it? It's there. It's green. You know, obviously if it's a really, really, really bad stand, that's not doing us any good. Yeah. Then take it out. But, um, we do have very good herbicides and might add very safe herbicides in the spring to kill it in season. And half the time we have to do it anyway. You know, if we kill it in the fall, it doesn't all die. So we have to kill it in the spring anyway with status or um, Diflex or something else. So um, I, I really like this. And the other thing I do like is with this one, Todd and Matt is, we talked about this at a previous episode. I don't know which number, but um, one about the um, uh, the trading, uh, the uh, where adaptive management. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Adaptive management is is leaving the alfalfa in the in the drain areas, the the ditches, if you will, not the deep ditches, but like where we would, we would have a spot that could erode instead of tilling it or or um, spraying it out just leave it and then you'll have that'll help your soil health too as well that you're not eroding those spots away so it kind of does a twofer there you're right bill i i wasn't quite connecting that but making grass waterways is much easier coming out of an alfalfa field and you've done a lot of that bill where you've had them you know flag out or put in the gps of the sprayer so it won't spray through those but that that actually might be better than leaving it is that you're leaving the real critical areas so one question for you is when your growers did that cover crop in alfalfa, because I could see that being a good idea, were they terminating the alfalfa or were they just no-tilling something into it to kind of help mellow it out? We killed the alfalfa. Did you? The, okay. Because yeah, yeah, I, I could see that both ways too, where you just put in, you know, grass or something else to kind of be a little bit more of a mixture, um, especially so we, if you have a straight alfalfa field. Yeah, so we killed it. It was like took fourth crop in August. It was kind of a semi early year. Took fourth crop in August, and then um, and then we killed it, and then we planted um, barley and a little bit of winter rye and tillage radish. That was our mix. Sweet. No, and I I think too, you know. The last, at least the last few years, winters kind of help take care of that alfalfa field. You know, we see winter kill and <laughs> some of that. It's it's helping us out somewhat in that capacity. And uh, <clears throat> nerd alert! I looked up what episode that was, and uh, <clears throat> it's uh, episode eighteen, adaptive management. Uh, the previous episode, uh, aforementioned, to have been brought up by Bill. 
<clears throat> is it available for download if you haven't heard it? It is. It is episode it's 18. Great. Take, take a listen if you haven't already. Thanks, Matt. All right. You ready for number five? Cinco. Ready for number five. All right. Number five, numero cinco. Use it's almost mile. Win- yeah, it is almost cinco de mile. Um, number five, use volunteer winter wheat as cover crop. So this could work for potentially any small grain that you're combining. Um, but you'd want to use a chaff spreader to evenly spread the, you know, basically the volunteer seeds or the seeds that you can't thresh out completely out the back. Um, and basically a lot of times this is enough, even with a really good combine, um, this is enough to have a pretty good cover crop behind you. Now, if, if you are windrowing it, um, and you're not really evenly spread it, that I don't see is working as well, where you have those wheat fields where it's just that really thick, you know, row behind and then, you know, kind of bare in between, um, that usually kind of is almost too much in there. And then those bare spots, um, just doesn't quite as work as good. So, um, it required, you know, basically either hiring a custom guy or looking at a traffic spreader for your own combine, um, and just a way to kind of spin that out the back. Um, so you're pushing that chaff around and getting those seeds to basically use in your combine as your spinner spreader. Um, but this is a potentially a good way to, to kind of have that when that's a time when we do a lot of cover crops is after winter wheat. So maybe the winter wheat's only one part of your mixture and you plant a couple other things too and spin it out, but it would at least get that evenly spread. Yeah. And I think that's, it fits real well with the theme we've been talking about. And it, it's nothing you're really spending that much extra on. It's going to grow no matter what. <laughs> it's an inevitable thing that we get that, uh, that wheat that pops back up after harvest. So, you know, why not utilize it in a way that can benefit? Could potentially save you on a burn down. You know, a lot of times after winter wheat, you know, we're doing, and obviously part of the burn down is to kill the winter wheat, but, um, you know, it could hopefully kind of pull out some of the other broad leaves that come a lot of times or just winter annuals mainly that you got to worry about that if you get a little bit thicker of that volunteer wheat crop come back, um, you wouldn't have to burn it down in the fall. You'd probably still have to burn it down in the spring, but it would it would be a way to kind of just help that and just give you a better, a better kind of field going into the fall. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So there you go. Five ways for soil health on a budget, not that you have to do all five, but some different options to uh, help keep your soils covered and hopefully reduce erosion and have other benefits without having to spend money and maybe even saving a little bit on the way. So now let's move into our spotlight. Today we've got a special spotlight. We'll do our first Tilth Talk Radio top 10 list, and that is ways to justify planting corn when it's too cold. I know I've had that conversation these last couple of weeks with a few guys, and I'm sure you you two have as well. Yep. Matt, you got to have your David Letterman voice here, though, I think. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and it's I, been hard, Matt. I, I mean, we, we're, we're not trying to make light of this decision because it's extremely tough one when you know, the fields are fit and they're dry enough and you want to plant, but it's just too darn cold to be going. And it, it's, it's just a very tough decision. So yeah, we have been having a lot of those conversations. Um, and it's fortunate we're cold or we're warm or not that we're dry. 
enough. It's unfortunate that we couldn't get a little bit more heat along with it. So, yep. So with that, we are going to make a little bit of light, because uh, sometimes it's just a little bit e- too easy to make a justification. So, uh, yeah, I don't have the little blue cards that I'm going to flip, as this is audio only, so they wouldn't see me doing it anyway. All right. So number ten. Way to justify planting corn when it's too cold. My neighbor looks like he's planting. Number nine. The soil temp did hit 50 once this spring, and it was probably about noon. Number eight. It was warm where the seed came from. All right. <laughs> That's a good well. one. <laughs> Number seven. The genetics are better these days. And that's a little true. Little, yeah, a little merit to that one. Number six, the seed bag said cold germ. Well, they, yeah. they test it for that, so it must must be all right. I would like to see okay. those. I would like to see those numbers though. Sometimes that they could have come and help, could come in handy at some point. Yeah, no, they could. Uh, number five, snow is trash, and I mean that's what trash whippers are for, right? Just got to clear the path. Also work to to break through the frost, right? Or some of that, uh, little yeah, bit chip away a little bit. Yeah. Number four, a frozen starter sickle can't leach, right? I mean, you're, you're not going to lose it if it's frozen in place. Might not come Number out either, three, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> Number three, your tractor wouldn't come with a defroster if you weren't supposed to plant cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can see, you can be in the field. So That's why there's lights Number on two. tractors, right? That's right. So you can plant at night. Plant at night. Number two. You know the field will carry because it's frozen. No, no getting tr- stuck. That's true. We we uh, did that this winter with some combining, right? A lot of combines rolling in January. Yep. Right, right on top. A little different than planting corn, though. A little bit. And the number one way to justify planting corn when it's too cold? The seed has a coat anyway, so it'll stay warm. There you go. Parka, Parka, (laughs) Columbia, North Face. Pericarp. No, what's the, yeah, it's the name, Bill. Poncho, it's wearing its poncho. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Poncho treated. If you get the 1250, it's a little better. So make sure you go with the high poncho. Yeah. That's right. It's not the right kind. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Just a little little hopeful humor there to brighten your day. And now let's move into the Egg History Minute. Love that banjo music. All right. Uh, since the 22nd of April is Earth Day, thought we'd mention that this year was the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Started in 1970. Uh, 50 years ago, the first Earth Day was celebrated, led by Wisconsin Junior Senator Gaylord Nelson and Congress, Congressman Pete McCloskey of California. This bipartisan celebration led to many environmental changes over the next decade, including the Clean Water and Clean Air Acts. In agriculture, the environment is especially important, 
And as stewards of the land, farmers continue to recycle nutrients and provide sustainably grown products. So we're, we're all out here doing our part and farmers just as much as anybody, if not more. I saw a tweet. It's cool. I didn't realize it was bipartisan. That's good to have, have both parties come across because that doesn't always happen right now. So it's good that, yeah. that there was both people, you know, both sides kind of working together. Now here's, here's a fun quiz for you. So who, who is the Democrat? Who is the Republican? I, I was going to guess the, just cause it's California, Wisconsin, but I guess, yeah, it's going to be tricky, but I'm going to go Wisconsin was Republican. California was the Democrat, but because you asked, I'm guessing it might be flipped. I, I think, would Matt? guess, I would guess the same thing, Matt, but probably the same reasoning, Todd thinking it's the opposite. It is the opposite. So Gaylord Nelson was a Democrat and Pete McCloskey of California was a Republican. So there is a, a uh, Appleton. Uh, what's Nelson? Is that related to him? The politician uh, or not? That's a good question. Yeah. The Outagamie County exec. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if he is or not. That's, that's a, that's that's a, a common question. name. So I could see Nelson not being the same, yeah. but uh, he might also be related to half Nelson. Yes. Uh, quarter, or full Nelson. I, yeah. Yeah. I think Quarter is a distant relation, but Nelson so. from the Simpsons. Yeah. Ha ha. All right, Todd. All right, if if you like, tell me about hearing, the podcast. Please, yeah, please subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Since Max is not here to talk about his trick, please do that and tell a friend. And I think most of the time, the farmer friend that you talk to will say, "Pod, what? Like, what is that? Can I get it on the radio?" How do I listen to this? So if you can just talk to them and show them how you listen to a podcast and what your favorite podcast player is, that would be great. And subscribe to it and download. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, it is at Tilth Talk Radio. And if you're looking for an independent crop consultant in your area, please visit NAICC.org, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. All right. Thanks, Todd. So, yes, please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you can keep up to date when we release new episodes. All right. Let's move into our cool beans, and that's corny for today. So, cool beans? Cool, cool beans. beans. Ooh, that was in stereo right there. That was nice. Uh, cool beans. All right. So, our cool beans for today is a Wisconsin creamery providing free milk using a kindness cooler. So the Sassy Cow Creamery uh, in Columbus, Wisconsin, is owned by James and Robert Beerwolf. And they are keeping a refrigerator outside their store, fully stocked with milk and other dairy products. And the idea is it's the kindest cooler available to anyone in need of milk and will stay fully stocked until the end of the pandemic. So, yeah, pretty cool. Bill, guess how many gallons they were giving away in a day? I I don't know. It's Columbus. Is it right in town or where? Are we? Yeah, I don't know. No, Colum- it's out. No, no. It's kind of, I mean, it's close to Madison, obviously, about half hour away, though. I was actually at this farm once. They had Santa there, and I was visiting visiting a college buddy, and we took our kids there to visit Santa at, at the, so this, it's a cool farm where they do a lot of, you know, different, different reach out stuff. So they had the, uh, yeah, the, the farm Santa, but they're giving away 50. What's that? 
50, 400 gallons of milk a day. Wow. So I don't know if that's peak or not, but that was a lot more than I thought. It was like in the, in the fridge, <clears throat> it was an idea from this farmer's kids who are obviously home from school now. And, um, you know, those people put out those books that people can take and those, those little libraries and they have like the thing that's stocked with, um, you know, other types of food, but they said, Hey, why don't we, so it was this kid's idea to, to put this basically refrigerator out. So really neat, you know, that with how many farmers are dumping milk, which really is sad, you know, and unfortunate. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can find more ways to keep selling milk and, and pushing it and hopefully you can keep farmers, you know, way, ways to doing that. So I thought it was kind of a neat thing. And that, yeah. Do you think they said it's bear wolf, Matt? It's a weird, it's a cool, badass last name. If that's, yeah, it's no, I, I hope I pronounced it right. So I apologize if I didn't, no, yeah, it's uh, bear wolf or bear wolf. Yeah. It was, it's a cool thing. And, uh, you know, the, we've, I've seen some other stuff pop up actually for dinner tonight. Uh, we, had some takeout from a, a bar over in Freedom uh, Buzzes. They were giving away gallons of milk with every order for the last really? four days here. Yep, is Lamer's milk tomorrow or on Friday, or is it over after today? I th- I think today was the last day. Oh, cool um, though. That's yeah, good way to- yeah. No, it was really cool, and so you could you got a free gallon just for ordering food, and then uh, you could purchase another gallon for three bucks, which is actually a little bit less than market value, I would say, in the store because I I think it's closer to three fifty a well, gallon. Yeah, especially for lamer's milk. So, yeah. which which percent you getting? Two percent, or is it skim? Or what yeah, they it, had they, uh, one, you two, and chocolate. Those were the options. Nice. So, so I got two percent. Was it in the glass jug? Nope. It was the it was the plastic bottles. But yeah, so. No, it is really, you know, fun, fun's the wrong word, but it, it's good that people are trying to be um, proactive. And and the reason I like this article too about the kindness cooler was that was actually from CNN, um, fake news, but still it's a national news source. So um, kind of neat that the national news is picking up some of the good things that are going on in Wisconsin. The, yeah, the heart. that's very cool. And with all the, you know, all the news, you turn on the national news, even the local news, and it's just bad stuff right between farming industry and the covid and everything going on it's it's cool to actually turn on the news and see a cool story like this and there's millions of stories out there that just aren't getting talked about because it's you know that's more sensationalized to tell the sad and depressing stories apparently we we should have did this the opposite way because now we're doing good it's like good news yeah, first, yeah, no. bad news second <laughs> so are we gonna move into bad news we are so um, but before we do, it's always a good idea to, as much as you can, support local, whether it's your local farmers, local businesses, um, help each other out as much as we can in these times and stay positive. So on that note, let's get negative. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so our that's corny for today is the coronavirus is forcing Tyson Foods to shutter the largest U.S. pork plant. Uh, so unfortunately, we'll probably see a, a hit at as we have in other areas in pork product availability due to this shutdown. Uh, Closures limiting the amount of meat the United States can produce during the outbreak and adding stress on farmers who are already losing market for their pigs. So unfortunately, uh, we've seen ethanol and uh, poultry farms, now pork and beef producers all kind of 
seeing plant shutdowns or re- reductions in uh, the ability to process the foods that we we all enjoy. So, yeah, it's the said the facility slaughters about nineteen thousand five hundred hogs a day, or about five percent of the total U.S. pork production, according to industry data. So, I mean, that's just unreal. Two number. I mean, five percent of the whole U.S. is it's a lot. So it's unfortunate too that it's these big ones that are that are being affected and and stuff. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can see these facilities, you know, shutting down very short term and cleaning up and able to reopen, you know, soon and stuff. So you can keep keep the whole the production line going. The good news here, guys, is you read further down in the story, and Tyson is gonna compensate. The, the 2,800 workers in that plant during the closure. So there's a little, there's a little uh, cool beans in the that's corny uh, segment here in that. So that's good. Yeah, no, anytime, you know, obviously businesses are, are hurting too, but they're showing support for their employees, which is always a great thing. And uh, so, yeah, as, as I said before, we encourage everybody to be, you know, try to stay positive and work with each other, not against each other. Help out where you can, and we'll all get through this together. So that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt, and thanks to all the Tilthies and listeners out there. So we'll wrap up here. We talked about five ways for soil health on a budget. So no-till, spinning on seed, Finding cheap mixes or using what you've already got in the field as a cover crop can all be ways to save some money. In our top 10, we talked about ways to justify planting corn when it's too cold. Um, So it's a tough decision, but use your best judgment when getting out there and planting as conditions allow. Egg History Minute, we talked about Earth Day, the 50th anniversary, and how farms are an important part of the environment and sustainability. And in our Cool Beans, That's Corny, we talked about Tyson shuttering pork plants, but milk being given away in Columbus, Wisconsin, by a local farm to their friends and neighbors supporting their local community. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.